Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Let's be honest. The first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away, because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit UpswellMarketing.com. That's UpswellMarketing.com. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're answering your listener questions. This is a Listener Question Monday episode. Next week, we'll have another interview for you, just like we did last week. But on the every other Mondays, we have Listener Questions. Yeah, which, put, it, put it on your calendar so you know what you're getting into. <laughs> so you can start looking forward to it. <laughs> Plan your months around <laughs> the different episodes that we've got slated for you. Exactly. I think your life should revolve around your favorite podcasts, and so... Um, hopefully we make your list of favorites. Absolutely. So we've got five great listener questions to get to today. One of those is about how student loans can prevent you from contributing to a Roth IRA. We've got a listener question who is potentially going to tap some retirement funds after getting laid off. We're going to tackle that one as well as when to consider health sharing plans over health insurance in order to save some money. Uh, we got those three plus a couple others today. As uh, the NBA Jam spokesman would say in my video game growing up, uh, boom shakalaka. <laughs> what does that have to do? I don't know. Is that, that was after like getting two two shots in a row, right? Yeah, I think so. Three and then, is like he's heating up. Was it after four? He's on fire. Four or five. Yeah. He's on fire. I like boom shakalaka. It's still my favorite. Yeah. Uh, but uh, before we, we get to those questions, Matt, just a one quick tip I wanted to share is 
that let's say you're taking rideshare and you and I were both one car families. I probably right. take rideshare just a little bit more than you, but I don't really take it all that often. But the other day, I don't, I don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you just say no to plans. I just I just hang out, hang out around the house. So this past weekend, <laughs> I went to play disc golf that's with only, a friend. That's only semi true. <laughs> that's also mostly true. You're kind of a hermit. Uh, but so it was my friend's birthday and. There was just no way for me to borrow the car because my wife was going to meet up with us later, and it was too far, a little bit too far for the bike, or if I tried to bike, it would have been like really late, (laughs) and so I was like, all right, I guess rideshare it is on this one, and I- Time to hail an Uber. Yeah. I maybe use rideshare once a month, um, trying to- you know, not do it too often because it's expensive. And when I opened, not the, as expensive though as buying a, a used car right now. Completely. You know, I mean, like, oh my goodness. And so, relative to what you know, the expenses that you're used to, yes, it's maybe a little more expensive than than what you would like to see. But for everybody else out there who is either looking to buy that second car or they're just just the cost of maintaining that second vehicle, man, those Uber and Lyft charges, it's a small fee to pay in That's order right. to have one car. It's a drop in the bucket. Yes. And and so I I opened the Uber app and it was like. I think it was like thirty-eight or forty-two dollars. What it was for a, a okay, ride? Now, so I take back I all that I just five said. Mile, five miles away. I think it was five <laughs> miles away. And then holy cow! But then I opened up the Lyft app, and oh, it there was you go. Nineteen ninety-nine. Oh, shut and up! And so it literally what a massive difference for the price. same cheap car. Yeah, like you weren't getting like the you know Uber Black. No, or, or whatever. I always choose the cheapest option. I choose the wait and save. I was like, I can wait ten minutes to save an extra five bucks. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, th- this is one of those things where if you are a um, habitual rideshare user, or even if you just use on occasion have an account with both of these main Mm -hmm. apps and then you know it takes almost no time to plug in your destination into both and kind of just see the price discrepancy literally an extra 30 seconds or minute can save you 20 30 bucks Um, it's it's amazing how big the price difference can be i just assumed that it would be a few dollars (laughs) difference but i didn't realize no, no no the price can get cut in half yeah totally worth it to shop around the different apps and see yeah who's offering the best rate also another quick tip too is to make sure you've got your updated credit card information on file with both apps that way because you don't want to be in a situation where you see that oh my gosh yeah i I could save a ton of money (laughs) and then they're like oh card declined or please update your information that's the kind of thing that also takes a little little bit of foresight to make sure and those prices are changing like every 30 seconds (laughs) (laughs) like they're updating all the time so yeah you might end up paying 10 bucks more just because i had to put my credit card information in so uh yeah not a bad tip all right i like it let's move on matt let's mention the beer that we're having on this episode this one is called Sour Bikini, and it's by Evil Twin Brewing. We'll give our thoughts on this sour hoppy beer at the end of the episode. But for now, uh, let's move on to listener questions. And if you have a question you want Matt and I to tackle in an upcoming episode, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. It's really simple to submit that question, and we've got instructions for you there. Can't wait to hear from you. All right, Matt, let's get to that first one. This one is about health insurance. Hi, Matt and Joel. Really enjoy your podcast. My name is John. I'm from the Portland, Oregon area. Question today is about medical sharing programs. I know that you've got some information on your website about those. However, I know that Joel mentioned that he had moved over to a medical sharing program this year, I believe, uh, by listening to your podcast. And was just wondering how that's going, if you had any um, newer observations um, with your experiences with it. My situation is that I'm retired. I'm on COBRA from my former employer until the end of this year, and then I really need to do something next year. And with the cost of the premiums, even with COBRA, it's so expensive and was really looking at a medical sharing program as an alternative to that. So if you have, um, I'm about two and a half years from 
my Medicare and my wife is about three and a half years from that. So wondering if you see any pitfalls or any suggestions or opinions that you might have in addition to um, the information that, that you've provided so far. Thanks so much. Again, really enjoy your show. Thanks for taking time to answer my question. All right, Matt, like John's question, and we, we haven't talked about health sharing companies That's in, in a true. minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. And you yeah, you have been on MediShare, your family, for years and years now. So we'll get to kind of some of your experience. But John's right. Like, I just signed up not too long ago with the same company you're with, with MediShare. And it's been, I don't know, seven or eight months now, I guess. And I actually joined up, even though I still had COBRA eligibility with my prior company, uh, because those COBRA premiums we're almost $2,500 a month. <laughs> Cost prohibitive, right? Way too much. Uh, yeah. So it, it sounds like you know your previous employer, John, was covering those costs. So good for you. But yeah, so far, so good in our MediShare experiment. But we also haven't had any major incidents yet. And so you know, it's not like I've necessarily put our MediShare coverage to an extreme test. <laughs> yeah, we are in a similar boat where we've not actually had to fully utilize MediShare yet. Which is the way to do it. That's what you want. You don't want to put it to the extreme exactly. test. Like, you don't want to be like, I got cancer and it paid out. Like you'd prefer hopefully to not get some of uh, something severe, right? Totally. No yeah. severe injuries, no terrible diseases. Although I will say that I say that we haven't fully util- utilized it, but just having that there, I mean, it gives you a certain amount of peace of mind, mm-hmm. right? And so I guess you could argue that we have been using it. This, you know, I think we've had it now for over five years, you know, so let's kind of explain what these different health sharing companies are. Uh, and it is really important for us to say loud and clear that health sharing is not insurance. Uh, it differs in a few different ways. It's, it's First of all, it's not regulated like insurance companies are. Some people hate them because of this, but others love them for it. But these companies, like they're, they're basically a group of members who are pooling risk and resources, not unlike insurance. <laughs> uh, but they typically have similar religious or ethical beliefs as one another as well. And they, they usually have to sign a pledge stating that they'll abide by certain guidelines, certain behaviors. That's definitely the case for MediShare, who Joel and I are both with. Uh, if you're not particularly religious, Liberty HealthShare, they used to be one of the uh, only options since you're not required to agree to any specific like doctrinal beliefs. Uh, but recently, Sedera, they've been another option that's available that is completely secular with, with no religious ties at all. And so these are worth considering because, you know, although these companies aren't technically in the insurance business, they still behave like insurance, right? They still have insurance-like vibes. You're going to learn some different terms, some some different lingo, just like I said, instead of a family deductible that's going to be reached with MediShare. It's called an annual household portion. There's different terms, uh, but they are very similar to the ones that insurance companies actually use as yeah. well. So if you jump into the health sharing game, if you decide that this is right for you, you're going to have to learn some new terminology. But don't worry, it's not too difficult, and it'll reflect kind of what you're used to yeah, with yeah. a traditional insurance provider. And and let's talk about why someone might do this, Matt. I mean, one of the main reasons people sign up for a health sharing program instead of getting traditional insurance, it's really just the cost savings, right? As oh, yeah. John pointed out, that is the main check mark in in favor of ditching your current health insurance and going towards uh, you know, to a health sharing company. And the monthly premiums, Matt, for our family. What we'd be paying on a traditional health plan through healthcare.gov, I looked into it, was in the $1,500 a month range, yep. which is still not quite as much as our COBRA was, but it's really expensive. And our our monthly share amount through MediShare is in the $250 range. So that's just a significant savings. <laughs> uh, yeah, you heard Joel correctly. 
fifteen hundred dollars to two hundred and fifty. Yeah, and a, a lot of people could see savings in that range if they offer health sharing instead of traditional health insurance. That's right. It's worth knowing, noting that that you know this health sharing coverage it doesn't cover wellness visits and routine lab work since Medishare views those types of visits more as like planned maintenance. But you know what they would argue that's a good thing, and I think I would argue that's a good thing yeah. too. Um, well, that's that's how we're able to keep costs down, right? Because exactly. we are covering some of these things out of pocket where we are intentionally whether that's shopping around or proactively going to see the doctor when it comes to certain ailments we might be uh, experiencing. Yeah, and it's kind of like um, car insurance, how you don't file a claim just because you get a flat tire. <laughs> and I think that's a better use of health insurance. It's the same yeah. thing with, with homeowners insurance. You don't file a claim because uh, you, a rock went through one of your window panes. You get that repaired on your own. And so that's kind of how these health sharing companies work. But wellness visits you know, are eligible for sharing for, for small children up to the ages of six. Um, there d- doesn't appear like that's the stage of life that you're in, John, if you're a couple of years out from yeah, being e- eligible for Medicare. <laughs> but yeah, those cost savings, depending on age and stage and your income, can be significant if you opt for health sharing versus traditional health care insurance. Yeah, but keep in mind that these plans, they're not the best choice for everyone. So let's talk about who these plans make sense for, who they don't. John, this isn't going to be your situation, but if you've got health insurance through your employer, that's always almost going to be the best spot for you because employers, they often help subsidize a big chunk of the monthly cost, of course. And also because of government subsidies, folks under a certain income threshold, they can make out like bandits by getting their coverage uh, through healthcare.gov. It's worth putting in your information to see what sort of subsidy you might qualify for if you're in a situation like this. Uh, the ACA, they made some big changes to how the subsidies are calculated and how much folks can get. A lot more folks qualify for greatly reduced pricing now. And so, you know, don't run to one of these health sharing plans if you have a better option. Although for you, John, it doesn't sound like that you necessarily have a better option. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like health sharing does make the most sense in this interim period for John until... So either that or Cobra. Yeah. He gets to, to <laughs> Medicare. And, and I, Cobra is just so dang expensive. It's going to cost John an arm and a leg, and that's money that could likely be put to better use. And so, yeah, if you're you're one of these folks who can get a traditional healthcare policy on the exchange for a similar monthly premium to what you would have paid to one of the health sharing companies, we would suggest going in that direction because you're getting traditional health insurance for the same price. But if you make too much to qualify for one of these subsidies for a price break, and you feel comfortable agreeing to abide by the rules of the sharing company that you want to go with, and with the caveats right that these sharing companies come with, we think they can save you a bundle, and they do make sense for you know a handful of people. Yeah. It's also important to mention that anyone going this route really should have extra money in their savings account, right? Because you know I'd want to have at least enough on hand to cover your maximum out-of-pocket expenses, and that means your annual portion, in addition to some of those wellness visits you're going to have to take that year, Matt. And so we actually have a health sharing review up on our website, and Matt specifically talks about his experience with MediShare in depth on that. We'll link to that article in our show notes. But but John, it sounds like for you this is a good stopgap for the next you know two and a half three yeah. years until you get that you know retirement health coverage from the federal government. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out too that regardless of which plan you go with, uh, of course, that you do your due diligence, that you dive into the details, and specifically that you look at some of the different uh, exclusions, right? And so uh, tobacco use, if you have any pre-existing conditions, even if you have uh, some prescriptions that cost a lot of 
money. These are all things that you need to be aware of before you end up signing and going with one of these companies. Yeah, they're not regulated in the same way as the traditional health insurance companies. And this is how they might have different different standards when it comes to each of those things that you just mentioned. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, definitely something to be aware of, John. Best of luck to you. All right, Matt, we got more questions to get to, including how student loans could make somebody ineligible for contributing money to a Roth IRA. We'll get to that and more right after this break. Cachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Cachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances so if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest they are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Joel, so we were just recounting our trip to Scotland. This is the trip that we took this time last year, actually, with some of our friends over the weekend. And one of the highlights from Edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the, uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. 
and you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. We are back from the break. Let's keep moving. We've got another listener question here, uh, and this one has to do with house hacking. Hi, Joel and Matt. My name is Nicole, and I live in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. And I have a question for you guys. This is in regards to house hacking. I currently have a successful Airbnb business running out of my home for the past four years. I'm also contributing to my retirement by maxing out my Roth IRA, and I match my work retirement savings, and I also put money consistently in an online savings account. My fiancé and I would really like to get on the house hacking bandwagon. He also has a significant amount of money in a savings account from a family inheritance to be used for this purpose. The problem is we don't know how or where to start. We are interested in purchasing a fourplex as a rental property. I listen to your podcast every day and love all of the suggestions you give, but just don't know how to begin this process. Do we work with a realtor to find our first investment property? I know that we need to put 20% down because this will be an income property, but I guess this first step is just scary for me. We really want to do this. I appreciate any insights that you can give me. Also, another question about a printer. What model of the Epson EcoTank do you recommend? There are some models that are really expensive out there. Just wondering what you would prefer. Thank you and have a great day. All right, Nicole, thank you for that question. And first of all, let's talk about house hacking because that is truly one of the best levers that you can use to increase your income and to reach financial independence more quickly. I love that you are pursuing this. But here's the bottom line. You are already house hacking. <laughs> we believe that anytime you are using real estate, uh, and so that whether that's a single room like you're currently doing or, or whether that's a quadplex, if you are using that strategy to offset the single largest line item expense that we have every month, which is housing, then you are house hacking. Uh, but we understand what you're getting at here. You know, you're, you're looking for a new investment property where you will potentially have full-time tenants. Emotionally, that's going to feel a lot different. And it's financially much different as well. But we think this is a smart move. We think it's great that you are looking to diversify your streams of income here. Yeah, I love it too. And let's get to maybe some of Nicole's specific questions. She mentioned having 20% to put down. And Nicole, it's actually ideal to have 25% uh, saved up for a down payment on an investment property because that is what usually gives you access to the best rates and terms. Whereas if it's a primary residence, 20% down basically gets you into that rarefied error. But 25% is what lenders want to see if it's an investment property we're talking about. So I, I would start talking to a couple of local lenders right now, discuss your plans with them and start getting rate quotes. At least three quotes is what I would want in hand if I were you. So you could compare them and get the best deal. And then, yeah, you mentioned a quadplex. That's an excellent choice. We, yeah. we, we love that idea because you can still get conventional financing, a, a conventional loan for a home that's up to four units. So basically you're in a sweet spot there. If you tried to go any bigger, you would need to get a different kind of loan that is going to come with 
worse terms for you in all likelihood. So yeah, you're definitely jumping in with both feet here by going, by going with a larger multifamily property as opposed to you know something like a single family home. But we're cool with that because yeah, it sounds like you and your fiance, you're both in really strong financial positions. She's You've been maxing out retirement, yeah, getting that match. Doing the right thing for a whole lot of years. You already kind of know what you're doing on the house hacking front. This is just expanding basically that, that house hacking business that you've kind of already begun. Totally. Yeah. But it can be daunting when you purchase your first income property, uh, just, just like you're talking about, Nicole. But it sounds like that you are doing your due diligence. You know what you want. You know what you're getting into. And so the next step is shopping for the right property. And like you mentioned, getting an agent is an important piece to this puzzle. And it's it's best to get an investor-friendly agent, you know, because they're going to have a better idea of what you might be looking for. They often have access to deals that might not appear on the MLS because of their connections. You want somebody who's familiar with investors not someone who's just looking to buy their, like their dream home. Right. Um, and you know, you'll want to have done enough research on specific neighborhoods uh, as well as your rent prices to know a good deal when you see it. Because in this market, like you're going to need to pounce quickly when the right cash flowing property comes along. As soon as something comes available, that's not the time for you to sit down, do some research, start looking, <laughs> you know, looking at comps. By that point, you, you'll want to have already done the research and to already know what it is that you're looking at the minute that you see it. Yeah, you, you want to make sure that when that property comes up for sale, that you say, boom, that's a deal. Exactly. Um, I know it because I've done so much freaking research about this neighborhood that it stands out like a sore thumb. Exactly. And it's important too to think through, uh, like know in advance how much work that you are willing to put in uh, and what you are capable of. If you're willing to take on subcontractors to finish out certain rooms, if there's some work that needs to be done on the property, because that will also be valuable time that's on your side. With the market that we're in, you don't have (laughs) days and weeks like we used to 10 years ago where properties just sat there uh, and you got to you know, casually peruse the listings and right. see what's available. That is just not the, the situation. That is not the current environments. Um, and the one other thing too I wanted to mention is keep in mind that renting a room out on Airbnb, it's going to be a little bit different than renting out and, and dealing with full-time tenants. You're used to having an intermediary, Airbnb, rate your buyers, right? Just from previous stays that they've had with other hosts. But at this point, you're going to need to take a more active approach in screening, in managing. We've talked about this before, but I, we think maybe like 90% of the battle of, of having a stress-free uh, investment property comes down to the tenants and the amount of screening that you've done on the front end. And so we actually talked about that a, a good bit back in episode 269, where we talked about how you can effectively manage rental units. And oftentimes it comes down to the quality of the tenants that you have in there. Yeah. Good tenant, easy life, bad tenant, hard life. I think it's <laughs> really that simple. <laughs> it really is. And so yeah, you want to make sure that you're you know crossing your T's, dotting your I's when it comes to screening tenants well. And yeah, that episode will, will help you know exactly how to do that. And uh, Matt and Nicole asked one more question about printers. So kind of a total departure here from, <laughs> uh, by the way, best of luck, Nicole, in, in the quadplex hunt and sure, yeah, finding yeah. something that works for you that's cash flow positive because it can be just a huge boon to your monthly income and to your ultimate ability to grow your net worth by having a rental property like this in your life. Uh, but onto that printer, Matt, uh, the Epson EcoTank. It's a great line of printers. Yeah. We, we kind of like what they're doing. And you know, Nicole mentioned that these printers are expensive. And yeah, the printers actually do cost more than most printers. But that's because most printer manufacturers, they charge less than the cost of the printer to you. So maybe you get a printer for 30 or 40 bucks and you're like, what a deal. But the problem is when you have to replace ink, it costs an arm and a leg. And that is where most printer manufacturers make all of their money. 
Epson is kind of doing the opposite, right? They're actually making money on the printer they sell you, <laughs> unlike basically everyone else in the business. And then they're selling you the ink at a fair, ridiculously low price. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we like that model a whole lot better. And when it comes to the specific model, though, of Epson EcoTank, well, different models come with different features. So we just suggest choosing the one that has the features that you need. Um, Consumer Reports is a great place to read reviews to see which one might make the most sense for you. But the great thing about going with a printer like that is that you're going to be saving money every single time that you hit print. So, Nicole, good luck with house hacking. Good luck with buying (laughs) the right printer. By the way, we had house hacking legend Craig Kurlop on the show back uh, a while back. And you know what? We've got an extra book lying around. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll send that out to you this week. His book offers a lot of helpful strategies when it comes to house hacking. So hopefully it'll help you as you um, continue to progress in this direction, too. All right, let's keep moving. Let's get to that question about student loans and the ability to contribute to a Roth IRA. Hi, Matt and Joel. My name is Matt from Scranton, Pennsylvania. I have a question about investing. Due to student loans, it is in my wife and I's best interest to file married but separate. The payments when they start back up would really skyrocket if we filed jointly. As a result, I can't contribute to a Roth IRA since I have earned income of more than $10,000. I don't want to wait until the loans are paid off before I start investing. What do you think is the best option for someone in my scenario in regards to investing? Once the loan is paid off, I would start contributing to a Roth IRA. All right, Matt, we're just a couple of weeks away from the tax filing deadline. And Matt has a great question here that is affecting more and more people, really. Uh, Student loans are the number one reason that married couples decide to file separately, whereas normally that's not the best course of action. Specifically, when two people get married and one person has like a ton of student loans, sometimes it makes sense to file separately in order to keep that payment low. And that's, you know, because the federal student loan repayment plans, well, they base your monthly payment on your income and, you know, filing separately combined income right filing separately means that the payment is going to be based on the borrowers you separate that income out right but Mm -hmm. if you guys decide to file jointly now it's based on the overall household income and that can throw a wrench into things right that can make your monthly payment skyrocket depending on what it looks like when you combine your two salaries as you file your taxes That's right. Yeah. So the great thing about marrying filing separately is that you can keep that student loan payment more reasonable. For a lot of folks, that not only helps every single month, but it can also mean a bigger chunk of your loans uh, potentially getting forgiven down the road if you're a government or a nonprofit worker in the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, the PSLF program. Uh, But there are some downsides as well. Like, for instance, it disqualifies you from tax write-offs like the student loan interest deduction. Another downside is that you become ineligible to make Roth contributions uh, if you're AGI, if you're adjusted gross income, if it's more than $10,000. That's obviously a huge bummer in our book because we love the Roth IRA so incredibly much. But even though you can't contribute to our favorite retirement account, Matt, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't invest at all. Right. I think you could easily let this become an excuse like, oh, I can't contribute to a Roth, so I guess I'm not going to invest for the time being. But no, that's not the route you should take. And so the, the best place really to be investing, Matt, is in your workplace retirement account if you've got one. Take whatever you're going to put into a Roth IRA and stick it in there instead. Hopefully you've got access to a Roth 401k, even though you can't open up a Roth 
IRA. And yet, if you have your own business, look into opening a SEP IRA or a solo 401k. Those are great accounts where you can stash quite a bit of money away for your future too. So while we love the Roth, it's not like that's the only option out there. Here at How to Money, we take advantage of the solo 401k. It's been great for us. It's allowed us to sock away money as a business and as individuals. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, once you've exhausted those tax-advantaged accounts, it's totally fine to stick some extra money into even a taxable brokerage account, right? It's not going to be quite as good for you from a tax perspective, but it does have the benefit of additional flexibility of what you can do with that money in the future because, yeah, you don't have to hold it until you're in your 60s. That's right, yeah. And once those student loans are paid off, Matt, and, and you start to file jointly again for the many benefits that come with filing jointly, you can look forward to those years of Roth IRA contributions. It's also important to mention that lots of folks in this sort of situation, they should really consider sitting down with a tax expert. And the reason is because these seemingly small decisions about how to file or, or which accounts to contribute to, they can be the difference between like a reasonable tax bill and an astronomical one. It's helpful to know all of the different trade-offs that you're making by choosing to file separately. Uh, and so don't hesitate to find a pro uh, if that would make you feel a bit more comfortable. And by the way, student loan payments are starting up at the end of the month. So that's just a, a polite uh, heads up to everyone out there who, who to maybe start preparing some now just for like, huh? that. What? Dang it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think some had money listeners just cursed in their car while they were listening to us. But that's a good point, Matt. It's a good reminder. And for some of our listeners, they would be better served by refinancing their student loan, going into a private student loan with a lower interest rate. Not everybody, but we actually have an article up on the site like giving you advice on whether or not it's right for you. And also Splash Financial has offered How to Money listeners in particular a special deal if you end up refinancing through their site. We'll put that link in the show notes too. All right, Matt, we got more questions to get to, including, you know, we think HSA's rock. That's another retirement account that we love. But what if the one that your employer offers is really stinky? <laughs> we'll talk about that and more <laughs> right after this break. Cachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Cachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances so if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest they are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. 
That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Joel, so we were just recounting our trip to Scotland. This is the trip that we took this time last year, actually, with some of our friends over the weekend. And one of the highlights from Edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the, uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. We're back from the break. We are chugging along. Let's get to our fourth listener question. And unfortunately, this one comes from a listener who has recently gotten laid off. Let's hear it. Hey there, Matt and Joel. This is also Matt from Salt Lake City, Utah. My question has to do with tapping into retirement funds early. And with either withdrawing those funds early or taking out a loan against those funds, I was recently laid off from my job on February 14th and my final paycheck just processed here on March 15th. I'll include a few uh, relevant details in the email. Also, if you're ever in Salt Lake, give me a shout and uh, I will kind of show you around all the great microbreweries here. Love the show and... Uh, Thanks for all you do. Matt, I always hate to hear stuff like this. It's never fun it's, to lose a job. It's a bummer. So Matt, really sorry that this happened to you. Sorry about the job loss. And, and, and it can be a shocker, not just financially, but emotionally. Like it's kind of like a gut punch mm -hmm. for sure. And I, I know what that's like because yeah, my dad got laid off when I was a kid and it's just still one of the clearest memories that I have of childhood and just how hard that was for our entire family. But mm -hmm. specifically for my dad too, it's it just is a tough emotional blow, especially when you're the maiden breadwinner. So, uh, but Matt, just know that you can definitely bounce back from this. This, oh, is, yeah. this is not a death sentence. I think sometimes this in the moment it feels the like that. No, of course not. also thought you were going to lighten the mood by calling him also Matt. Since that's, that's how he introduced <laughs> he himself. He did call himself that. I you are going to bust out a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, also Matt. We can call him that for the rest of the episode. Uh, but 
you know, on the bright side of things, I like to find a silver lining because I'm kind of an optimist. It's always important. Uh, this, if there ever was a time to get laid off, like now might be the best time because the job market is just kind of like running on all cylinders. And so, yeah, the opportunities out there for also Matt are uh, <laughs> are amazing, I think. And so, yeah, the opportunity to find something else in in short order are are really good i think that's true yeah with the uh you know like we're seeing so many job market openings and with the just the market overall just being as hot as it is there are likely gonna be more opportunities out there for you than there normally would be you know not to mention that with working from home you can get a job likely with a wider variety of companies you're not gonna necessarily be confined just to the local ones near where you live that very well may have been how you you found your uh, the job that you were currently uh in but that's no longer a constraint But first things first, let's get to a few things that we would recommend for anybody in this situation to do. First of all, getting on a bare bones budget. We talked about this back in episode 362. This is incredibly crucial. Uh, Matt mentioned in his email that this is something that they have essentially already done. They have slashed their spending, uh, but it is really important to know what it is that you are capable uh, living on. This is a situation where, in Matt's case, it was necessary, right? But if you weren't already in that situation, having the knowledge and the comfort in knowing that you can make some serious changes like that uh, to your budget, I think would bring a lot of peace. I think when you find yourself in a situation like this, it necessitates it, right? Like you don't really have a choice. You are looking for ways to reduce your spending uh, in a significant way. Uh, But if you had not already done that, I think you could find yourself in a really stressful position where you might find yourself making those cuts more out of desperation as, you know, compared to just like a plan of attack. And that's the kind of situation we want to see more of our listeners in. One where it feels like that they are more in control than one where it feels like that they have to more instinctively react. Yeah, having that kind of bare bones budget in your back pocket in case something difficult happens, no matter what it is, whether it's a job loss, whether it's a loss of a loved one, in particular in the event of a job loss, it it just provides yeah so much help. So you can basically immediately switch over to that budget, start saving money every month because yeah, every dollar counts in a situation like this. Totally. And then filing for unemployment, that's a top priority as well, which Matt has also done. Uh, But that's often, that's just going to be a stopgap because it's not going to come close to probably equaling what your normal pay was. And plus it's not going to last forever, uh, but definitely make sure that you do that as well. For sure. Yeah. But, but really right now it's a time to batten down the hatches and, and uh, you know, another thing that might help Matt and his family right now is to to even slow down paying off some of their debts for the time being until income starts flowing again. Basically, if you've been paying more on certain debts, only pay the minimum for a little while mm-hmm. because, yeah, you want to keep more dollars in your savings account so you have more months of financial runway. And and Matt fortunately mentioned in his email, actually, that, uh, that his wife is just about to graduate in another month, which could mean her bringing home some significant bacon, right, depending on the career path that she is choosing. That's that's just another bright spot here that she is almost done with school. That's an expense that you're getting rid of while at the same time you're adding income. And that's a big bright spot. But but let's get to your specific question, Matt. You, you talked about you know, taking out a loan against your retirement accounts. Well, here's the thing. You're not going to be able to take a 401k loan now that you aren't with that employer anymore. And so, yeah, the only option that you have really is to withdraw those funds altogether. And that move is going to trigger a tax bill along with a 10% penalty. And so, yeah, (laughs) this is something we want you to avoid at all costs. I mean, we want you to take basically every other measure that you can to save more of your money or to find more income before you even consider tapping retirement accounts. That's kind of like a a last case scenario, a last ditch effort. If you just have to put like food on the table or keep a roof over your head, in our opinion. Yeah. And for anybody else out there who might have a loan against their 401k, keep in mind that 
oftentimes if you were to get let go, uh, that total would be due at the time of your termination. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes you can be in a really difficult position to where not only are you going to be getting future money, but you also owe a bunch more to your your retirement plan. But Joel, let's talk about some of those actual alternatives to tapping some of those retirement accounts. Because hopefully that's not a situation that Matt finds himself in, right? Because this would put his financial future in jeopardy because this is money that was allocated for, for decades down the road. It is now being spent in the here and now. Uh, and not just that. It's, it's like you're lighting some of your, your future dollar bills on fire in order to get them into your hands right now, immediately. And so we would rather you get those funds from just a slew of other places, including tapping your home equity. It sucks. But it's better than the alternative. Matt mentioned in his email that he does own a home. And so hopefully you have a good amount of equity built up. Uh, that's going to be a much more affordable way to get your hands on that money. Plus, it's going to be it's going to cost you a lot less in interest as well. And then something else to keep in mind, the one retirement account that you can touch is if you've uh, got a Roth IRA. We'd still rather that be an option of last resort, but taking out some of those contributions, it's not going to result in a massive tax bill. Uh, It's not going to result in you getting hit with a 10% penalty because you've already paid tax on the dollars that you've contributed to your Roth IRA. But keep in mind, only take out what it is that you need and just do your your very best to leave the rest intact. Uh, Because you know if you end up having to take a few thousand bucks out of your Roth to put food on the table to keep a roof over your head, that's okay. We would rather you not, but it's not something that you're going to pay for in a significant way. Just don't touch the workplace account because that is a method where you're really going to get hammered. Yeah, I feel like taking money out of your former 401k, just uh, basically taking early withdrawals is it's kind of like sticking both hands on a hot stove. It's just like and leaving them there like that. That's it's kind of like setting your financial life on fire for money that you need now. It's it's really hamstringing your ability to save for your future self. And it's just something that we recommend staying away from in almost every case. And so, yeah, let's talk about healthcare just for a second uh, when it comes to Matt and his family, Matt, because there's a good chance he's going to be offered COBRA coverage if he had uh, healthcare through his former employer. And you know, we talked about that a little bit with John's, that COBRA, <laughs> Cobra coverage is expensive as all get out, potentially you know thousands of dollars in premiums each month. That's what it could cost you. So the better option for, for Matt is is to head to healthcare.gov and to sign up in all likelihood for a plan there, especially because after losing a job, you qualify for a special enrollment period, which means that you can sign up for a plan on healthcare.gov when you otherwise wouldn't be able to because it's not open enrollment season. And considering the income drop that Matt has sustained and the subsidies that are offered, there's just a really good chance that he'll find a a solid plan with really low premiums Mm -hmm. that can keep his family covered while not breaking the bank. That's right. So Matt, thank you for that question. And we wish you the absolute best of luck uh, when it comes to finding uh, a new job. And you know what? This hopefully is one that pays more even. Like hopefully yeah, he's, that, that lands in a better more. scenario. Well, what I was going to say too is just maybe a job that he finds some more fulfillment in, right? Like maybe he could even see this as a period of time where he's able to re-examine. Like this is almost like a forced sabbatical yeah. <laughs> where he's able to think a little bit more about the type of work that he's doing and the contribution that he's making to the world. So again, we're trying to put a positive spin on, on this for you, Matt, but we think that you've got a uh, a great financial future ahead of you. And I will say that ends up being the case for a lot of people. I feel like I've seen that time and time again too, mm-hmm. where people end up in a position that is so much better after something like this. I hope the same is true for Matt. I know one of my one of my good friends is basically in her dream job. She didn't think she wanted to leave her last job, but she got laid off. It happened. And now she's doing work that she loves even more. She's awesome. super happy. I feel the same. I've, I've seen that time and time again, and I sure hope that's true for Matt. 
But let's get to our last question of this episode. This one is about health savings accounts, but what if your employer has theirs with a crummy bank? Hi, Joel and Matt. My name is Jessica, and I'm calling from Northeast Iowa. I recently started a new job and am eligible for an HSA. I went to the bank to set up my HSA account as directed by the fiscal manager. I asked the bank if there was a minimum I needed to have it saved before I could start investing within that account. The banker wasn't sure and said they would check and get back to me. When they called back, the banker explained that they don't offer investing options for their HSA accounts. I already have an HSA from a previous employer that I am investing in. So I asked my new employer if I could use that account instead of the one at their designated bank. They said no. I'm wondering if there is a way I can transfer money from my new HSA account to my old HSA account so I can take full advantage of the tax benefits HSAs allow for. Thanks for producing the pod. I have learned so much listening to you over the years. Cheers. All right, Jessica, congrats on your new job. It seems like this is a position that a lot of folks are finding themselves in as folks are shifting careers as they're changing jobs. Uh, And I'm very glad to hear that you've got access to a health savings account, an HSA. But it sucks <laughs> that your HSA is with a bank that Huge won't bummer. allow you to invest. Uh, but it's not the end of the world. And we definitely have some solutions for you. First, let's explain to everyone listening why it's so important to invest your HSA dollars. And that's because it's fine for you to use your HSA for near-term medical expenses if you must. But it is a far better idea to use that account as sort of like this undercover retirement account. It's basically like if you use your HSA for just kind of current healthcare expenses, it's like getting a Tesla and, and going no faster than 25 miles an hour. <laughs> you're, you're missing out on the point of the vehicle or, or maybe a Ferrari would even be a better example. Yeah, but, yeah or like Formula One car. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah it's like, yeah, but I'm going to put a governor on it and it's only going to go 50. It's like, no, that, that misses the entire point, uh, the best parts of the account. Exactly. Yeah, your HSA, it does the most good for you when you invest your money inside of it. And so, keeping it in cash, it kind of like hurts our hearts <laughs> considering the massive triple tax advantage that HSAs offer. Uh, you want that money growing. You don't want it sitting there stagnant. And for all the other listeners out there, if you want to know more about what makes HSA so great and how to maximize their value, we would recommend that you check out episode 105. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of folks in open enrollment period, they see the HSA option. They just kind of like skip past it. <laughs> they don't bother with it. That is a mistake because the HSA is potentially the most valuable retirement account you have access to. It's going to leave you with much more money in your future. That's right. So uh, now that everyone knows how they work, back to your question, Jessica, if, if I were you, I'd suggest to HR that they choose a different provider for the HSA, both so that employees can easily invest and also to make sure that you know fees stay low for everyone at the company. And you can be you know, the money nerd who listens to How to Money advocating for change in your office. It feels like one of those things where you're like, I don't know, should I send an email to HR? Yes, you should, because <laughs> it helps not just you, but everyone else who works there. Absolutely. And you know, your employer, they might have a deal worked out with this bank. They might just say no. And so, yeah, then you've got to take matters into your own hands. You've got to do what's best for you. And there are a couple ways of going about this. You know, One of which is what's called an HSA rollover, which is something that you can do once a year. You can initiate an HSA rollover with your new HSA provider. They send you a check and then 
you send that amount to your vastly superior old HSA provider. Vastly superior because you can invest with that account. Exactly. Uh, Then you can be investing those funds. You got to keep in mind that you have 60 days to do that. Otherwise, you get hit with a 20% penalty. So time is of the essence in this case. I will say as well, Matt, that it might not make the most sense for Jessica to put those HSA dollars with her old HSA provider just because they allow her the ability to invest. Because in so many of these HSA accounts, even if you're allowed to invest, the fees are just too too much. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes so, they can be egregious. Yeah, they're going to eat away at the dollars that should be working for you. And so they're really just two HSA providers that we think do a great job, <laughs> at least that are on our radar, Fidelity and Lively. We'll link to both in the show notes. But those are the two companies I would trust with my HSA dollars. And so Jessica, if your old HSA provider is not one of those two, you might want to you know, transfer all of your HSA dollars to one of those companies. That's right. We're complicating matters by you've got your old <laughs> HSA provider, you've got your new HSA provider. And a third player And now you're going to have your new, new HSA <laughs> provider, uh, which is hopefully Fidelity or Lively. And Joel kind of mentioned the, the rollover, which is that option that you can do once a year. And you got to be careful that you don't get hit with uh, an unqualified distribution uh, from the IRS. But a way that you can completely avoid that risk is by initiating what's called a trustee to trustee HSA transfer. This way, you never touch that money in therefore, you never run the risk of getting hit with that huge penalty. And on top of that, there shouldn't be any limit on the number of these HSA transfers. So you could just set up a calendar reminder to do this every month to immediately get that money invested. Those HSA dollars immediately get pulled out of your paycheck. They get sent to the administrator that oversees your current workplace HSA account. And then maybe say once a month, you initiate that trustee to trustee transfer. That way you can get that money invested right away. Uh, And yeah, you know, those HSA dollars, they're going to come in real handy in your future at some point. But something that's really important, remember to document your current medical expenses in a spreadsheet uh, or to take pictures of your medical bills, of your receipts, so that you can withdraw uh, your funds years down the road based on actual medical expenses. You have to align the, the expenses of your past to you pulling out that money in the future. But Jessica, great question. We really appreciate you sending this one our way and best of luck to you as you uh, find yet another way to invest your money. And again, HSAs are kind of like the ultimate retirement account because of that triple tax advantage. It's tax-free on the front end. Uh, it's tax-free as it grows and it's tax-free when you take that money out, assuming that you use that money for qualified health expenses, even health expenses that occurred in your past. That's right. Yeah. It's just a bummer that so many people don't know about this account, or at least don't know how to fully utilize it in a way that's going to provide them the most financial advantage over the years. Because yeah, there's no other account that I know of where you never have to pay tax on any of those dollars coming in or out of it. And so that is right. it's pretty spectacular and it's something more people should be taking advantage it's of. It's also why we think that they should change, you know, the we, name. We, yeah, we joke about it. Instead of being called a health savings account, that we really we should call it a health investing account. Yeah, no wonder people think about it wrongly, because like the name leads you to think about it wrongly. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, you feel like that money should just be sitting there with a the bank, and of course the bank wants that money to sit there. They don't want it invested. They just want to have that money sitting there in their coffers so that they can you know make loans and do whatever banks do with money. <laughs> right. But for <laughs> in order to make more money, the individual investor or just for the individual person, like that's by far the worst way yeah, <laughs> to handle that money. Paid piddly amounts. Yeah. Uh, you know, with whatever the bank is offering. Exactly. Start compounding those HSA dollars. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, let's uh, get back to the beer that we had on this episode. This one is called Sour Bikini, and it's by Evil Twin Brewing. What were your thoughts on this hoppy sour pale ale? Interesting that you call it a hoppy sour pale ale, because I don't feel like it's overly hoppy. It's definitely got some of like that 
I don't know, like maybe like that brightness, um, some of that herbal nature, some of that greenness that you asso- associate with a hoppy beer. Uh, but to me, like I feel like I, I taste mostly the just the tartness and like the the clean nature of a pale. Mm-hmm. Really good though. You know, this is a great springtime drinking beer. I love how on the label it just says ingredients: waters, malt. Hops and yeast. So obviously it's got hops in it. Uh, but you know, when this you one see- might meet the German purity laws for beer. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but I, I'll also mention the ABV on this one, which is only 3%. I feel like this is the kind of beer that you want to be drinking in the summer. You're, it's not quite quite yet the summer, but in, yeah, in the spring with at the, the beach. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So really fantastic. I also think that this is a fantastic introduction to sours. If you've not really had sours before, this is a great way for you to experience some of that tartness without completely getting bowled over by it. And, and if you like IPAs and you're like, I don't know if I like sours, maybe this is kind of the, the perfect blend of those. And I, I do think that there aren't enough breweries making uh, hoppy beers that have sour elements to them. I, I've always liked the combination of like a pale or an IPA and sour flavors. Like I think that kind of provides like some a really interesting beer. Usually I think like New Belgium had one for a minute and there's a brewery out of North Carolina, Bramari, that had like a really good sour IPA. Oh, yeah. But like almost nobody makes those kinds of beers. And I think they're fun. I think it's like refreshingly tart while at the same time being flavorful. So I dug it. And I probably will take this uh, beer to the pool in a couple of months. That's mm, that's the goal. Most definitely. And good job, Evil Twin. So this is the first time we've ever had... A, I mean, you and I, we've definitely had Evil Twin beers before. Uh, not on the show, but this is the first time we've had an Evil Twin beer on the show. So it, be sure to check them out if you see their stuff on the shelves. No doubt. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. For folks who have a listener question, they want to ask us, they want us to tackle it on an upcoming Ask HTM episode, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are simple instructions there for you to submit your question to us and we'd love to take it on a future episode that's right and if you've been listening to the show for a while and you haven't left us a review it's not something we've asked here in a minute but head over to apple podcast head over to wherever it is that you listen and see if you can rate or review us over there that is always a helpful way for us to get the word out for folks to see what they can expect from how to money so uh, a big thank you in advance for that joel that's going to be it for this episode buddy until next time best friends out Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.